wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon or live-action cartoon hybrid ever made. I'm Derek. <laughs> and I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows who you am. That's that nobody knows who you are. That's why you're that's why we're podcasting about it, is because no one knows who the Spider-Man character could possibly be. Yeah, who be. could that be? <laughs> Never, heard like take, <laughs> Never heard of him. Never heard of him. We'd like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons, Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, Jason, and Zoe. Thank, thank you. Y'all. Also, and Derek. Yeah. You kept talking about how you were saying you'd like to thank a quick moment to thank. And last fucking week I did it and didn't even know I did it. So wow. thank you for that. Sorry. <laughs> thank you for implanting that in my brain. Well, I just listened to the episode, that episode, and I didn't even notice it. So I guess it wasn't that bad. But did, did I say it right just now? Because I'm not really no, sure. No, no. I just, when I, when I was listening back to it, I was like, did I just do it? <laughs> That's and incredible. Did. And I did. <laughs> why? We, the words are literally written in front of us. Like, I know. why is that a thing that happens? And we've maybe, said it so many times. Yeah. Why is it suddenly a thing? <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just a sign to start rewording it. Like, there's maybe. no reason to have know. that many words. <laughs> Whatever. Speaking of, speaking of Patreon uh-huh. and being uh, just, you know, in the absolute chaos of us, I guess. Being super good at words. Super good at words. Word snappers. We had some word snappers last week. Our patron Zoe submitted the words Monkey McMad Hands, mm-hmm. which is such a fun collection of words to say. I think that when I originally said it, I kind of butchered it, and it sounds like you edited that to make it sound a lot more elegant than it actually Maybe. was. Maybe. <laughs> I'm very glad that you did that because I was kind of <laughs> upset that I bungled that. It is a bit of a tongue twister to, in yeah. my defense. Well, um, yeah. I don't know if people, I don't know if that's like cheating or whatever, but no. people love to give us tongue twisters. So I feel like it's only fair. I get to edit it to to sound nice. <laughs> Most of the time, I feel like we get it okay at yeah. the very least or right. I think that one, I just bungled. I bungled it. So I yeah. fumbled it really badly, but it came out great in the edit. So yeah. no one would have ever noticed it unless I would just reveal those secrets <laughs> just now, which I did. So, you know. Exposed. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so here's, here's a fun thing. Uh-huh. Um, we are approaching our 200th episode, that is next week, and we decided to do a little bit of a sort of pseudo two-parter with how yeah. we're doing this. So 199 and 200 are a little bit thematically interlinked. Um, it's not going to be the same show each week. You'll un- you'll understand what we mean very soon, I'm sure. Um, but <laughs> When we tell you. <laughs> when we tell you. <laughs> 
<laughs> we decided, even though we're a cartoon podcast, sometimes we dabble a little bit in live action with Spider-Man a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, you know, we don't do deep dives into every episode of live action stuff, but we've, we've done Toku Spider-Man. We'll do the movies sometimes for special things. So we decided it made sense for like a 200th episode celebration. If we wanted to do something a little bit different, then we could, you know, maybe check out the very first ever live action adaptations of Spider-Man ever. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So that meant, you know, predating, obviously, the 2002 movie. That meant predating the Toei, the Toei Japanese Spider-Man by, like, one year. Um, <laughs> or no, I guess in this one, like, four years in this case. So, so basically, we're starting off with the true very first live-action adaptation of Spider-Man, which was in an unexpected place, I would say. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, it was in this show called The Electric Company, um, which had these like short Spider-Man segments. Yeah. Basically, I really I, have you. Did you know what The Electric Company was at all before, Doug, at any point in your life I, until now? <laughs> uh, before now, yes. I, I was aware of The Electric Company. It wasn't a show that I watched because I don't. I mean, it didn't last very long and certainly wouldn't have been on anything I was watching when I was a kid, but I do think I probably would have liked it more. Like I wasn't a Sesame street kid really, but I think this, I think I probably would have watched this if it were on TV. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we were, we were like, I feel like we're, we were in the exact middle age group because electric company did rerun for a a long time. And then I think it was off the air for a long time. And then it did start rerunning again in like 99 i think when Noggin oh so it just fully launched, missed us it just fully missed us yeah because i think that because <laughs> i think i i think i knew of it because i think it, i remember seeing just learning that of its existence because my little sister was in like just in the right age for a couple of years to be watching noggin and noggin oh. re-ran electric company so you still like, learned of it organically I did, but I was like way too old for it by that point. Yeah, so it's yeah. not like I could enjoy it. You know, it would be like if you're the first time watching Sesame Street, yeah. you're like 10 years old. Like, right. you're you're not, you know, it's not going to mean anything to you. So, yeah. I, so I think it like fully missed us. I think, you know, plenty of people older than us know exactly what it is. And it was very influential for them. Oh, sure. And like a very brief portion of younger people, just younger than us, might yeah. know what it was from reruns. And then like. And then obviously like Gen Z, I'm sure has no idea what it is. Cause I don't think it was in reruns that long on Noggin. So yeah. 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 I learned of it not organically. It was fully like, I learned of it as kind of an oddity, right? Like the show that was sort of Sesame street, like that didn't last nearly as long. Um, and had sort of like, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, a different tone to it. So yeah. learned about it as an adult. Sure. Well, it is, it is really interesting. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of love for it. I think from people who grew up with it, um, I think for good reason, you know, and I think it's like, even though it had a very brief life, I mean, it's still like 780 episodes, but like compared to Sesame, the institution that Sesame Street yeah. was and became and still is, you know, a relatively short life. Um, I think it's, I think it was still like very beloved and like influential on like children's programming. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's, it's, it's a show that's still like, I know, I, I think I was reading that. You know, it did eventually get like DVD releases or at least like collections. It's oh. never gotten like a full, it's never gotten a full set and stuff like that, but it's oh, gotten yeah, like it a collection have, releases. There's pieces of it that are missing. 
right or like well, chunks of it are probably more there's chunks of it that are missing and you know stuff pro- i think that wasn't properly archived and then like some of the spider-man segments like mm-hmm. they literally couldn't afford to license the character so they had to like edit him out of some of the segments they re- <laughs> the episodes that they did release on dvd but i remember reading that like the first set that was released was like a surprise with how in demand it was like it sold like super well like to the point that the company was like what the hell? Like, who are these people <laughs> buying this? Um, so, so yeah, it's definitely a thing that has like a, I think very, the, the people that love electric company, like really love electric company. And, and I've, I've encountered many people who are a little bit older than us who are like, yeah, I remember like my first time seeing Spider-Man wasn't from a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It was from his appearances on the electric company. I um, mean, I get it. I, I feel like, even in just the little bit we've watched, I kind of love the electric company. Like, yeah, I, I fully get rules. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was enjoying myself so much more than I thought I would. And we got like a taste granted, yeah. you know, we weren't watching like the most Sesame street parts of the electric company, but I saw some of it and I still was having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So basically what the electric company is. So I'm sure that there are plenty of people listening who, who are, do fall in that bracket, whether they're our age or younger than us who have absolutely no fucking idea what the electric company is like, what the, we've the, dropped the some site. context clues. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So it, it is very heavily related to Sesame street because it was also produced by the children's television workshop, which was the nonprofit organiza- organization that, Did many things, but among other things, most known for creating Sesame Street. I think it's now known as Sesame Workshop. Like that kind of became their main thing. Mm -hmm. But so it is sort of a sister series to Sesame Street. It's another sort of like educational children's show that's like has, you know, different segments. It's basically a sketch comedy show, essentially like Sesame Street. It's a weird it feels weird to call it a sketch comedy show, but like. That's essentially what it is. Like yeah, it is just it is. you have like a, a similar cast of characters and actors who just have little segments and they're made of ed- made with jokes and educational content and like just a bunch of vignettes of like different things. Right. It's sketch mm-hmm. comedy, essentially, um, just built with the intention to educate children. Um, Electric Company specifically was intended for elementary school age kids. Their whole deal was that it's like we are for the kids who graduated from Sesame Street, like Sesame Street's for young, young kids. Um, up to like age six or something, mm-hmm. you know, like electric company age TV. Exactly. Electric company is like, okay, you know how to count, you know how to say the <laughs> alphabet. Let's help you learn to literally read. So yeah. a lot of electric company stuff was a, you know, aimed at like six to nine year olds, helping kids develop their grammar and reading skills. So that's kind of the deal. Also because of that, because it's aimed at like a slightly older audience, like the humor is a little bit more mature and complex, like <laughs> mature, like as in like, nine-year-old humor as opposed to three-year-old humor right so it's still like for young kids but yeah yeah but tonally the comedy is pretty different because sesame street for the most part is all very sincere in its comedy right because the the audience is so young but there's like a lot of um like different kinds of humor Mm -hmm. in what we watched where some of it is ironic and some of it is sarcastic. Some of it is absurd. Some of it's surreal, like a lot of stuff I wouldn't necessarily expect from Sesame street. 
Yeah, right, right. So, it, and yeah, and I think it makes like watching these, I think, a little bit unexpected because if you're going into it, I think expecting a Sesame Street vibe, mm-hmm. like some of the stuff that we watch, it's sort of like there's nothing educational about this at all. <laughs> it's just, it's just a bunch of actors just having fun just and like weird. that's it and being weird. And I'm like, you know what? That's great too. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's like they'll throw a couple of words on screen and it's sort of like, all right, that's your lesson is to read the words that we just read to you out loud yeah there you go like, it's like otherwise we're with just marks they have to hit and sometimes right. you're like you're just on the verge of breaking aren't you <laughs> oh my god it's so good some of the sometimes it's sort of like y'all are truly there is not a script for this you are just no. up there riffing you were oh, just yeah. riffing. it's so funny <laughs> i love it i love the vibe it's yeah. a truly well we'll we'll talk about some of the ones that we watched but like it yeah. really i it, it was like giving like the vibe of like children playing make believe in their backyard and just like making yeah. story up as they go along. Yeah. Like it's and and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. Like oh, it's totally. so fun to watch. Cuz like these are good actors and like really like like I mean we'll talk about it but like there's very talented actors mm-hmm. in this who know how to just and they're committed to it. Like so they know how to just be funny, you know? Like yeah. and yeah, so it, it it really it just it gives it such a fun vibe and it's such like a such a such a nice watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it ran for, like I said, it ran for 780 episodes. Uh, but, you know, it's like Sesame Street. It was like a daily show. So it's only six seasons. It was only for between 71 and 77 on PBS. So those 700, 780 episodes were only over like six years. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that it has the beloved reputation that it does from the mm-hmm. people who are sort of fiercely loyal to it. Because... Every once in a while, I just run into a show that was on for like eight years and I'm like, I've literally never heard of you, nor have I ever heard anyone ever talk about you. Like there are truly shows from the 60s and 70s and honestly the 80s that like just are essentially forgotten. I mean, I know they're not literally, but they're essentially forgotten. Yeah. In a way that's kind of a bummer, you know, like even stuff that was, I always think it's wild when, you know, there are shows that are were absolutely huge and influential at the time that they were airing that you can encounter like people, you know, a 30 something or 40 something on the street. That's like never heard of it or totally or like even forgot it. about it, you know, yeah. like no, I'm not, you know, you know, like I know people, you know, people will be like, Oh, you know, like uh, you know, teenagers or Gen Z or whatever doesn't get blah, blah, blah. But it's sort of like, nah, man, you can have a fucking 30 year old. That's not going to know what the hottest show to ever exist right. in the year 1987 was yeah. you know it's like, like perfectly <laughs> normal but it but it's like it's it's like weird and a bummer in a in a way that isn't like outrage yeah. at gen z for not knowing you know right. van halen or whatever um it's just one of those things where it's like it's sobering almost where you're like oh yeah, yeah the hot show from this year or from the past six years might be something no one's talking about or has any sort of like pop culture value 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It's like a weird thing to encounter. So this one only having lasted six years, I know it's 780 episodes, but like this one only lasting six years is kind of in that range that I Mm -hmm. usually run into these types of shows where it's like, Oh my God, you were on for over half a decade. Um, and I never hear anyone talking about it. Luckily this isn't one of them. Yeah. I think it helps that it was rerun all to hell. So like it, you know, so I, I think that helps a lot. I think that made the longevity of it, uh, you know, heavily extended. Um, I think the other thing that I think makes this show hmm. um, very memorable is the people who are involved. Yeah. Because just the original cast, uh, to name a few, 
it's uh, it truly is some of some of the original cast. I'll just name like the three biggest players, which you might be mm-hmm. expecting. Like you know, if you don't if you don't know anything about the show, you'll be expecting like oh, you're gonna name people who like went on to be like a famous sitcom actor or something later, right? Like, I mean, yeah, but as but also- in <laughs> famous actors such as Rita Moreno. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I had to sit down. I was like, is this like, I genuinely was like, that's Morgan Freeman. I think like, I didn't it know is. that or I forgot a, or whatever. A lot of these segments that we watched yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> He's in a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and Bill Cosby. Yikes. But Who also sucks, like, but is like a huge deal. It, it is pretty wild that like Bill Cosby was on this show, uh, yeah. you know, before, before he, you know, blew up as a comedian and, and, and everything. So right. like, that's, the, that is the talent that they were looking for and found. And even like some of the writers that were involved in this show, like would still go on to work on like major sitcoms. Like, um, there's stuff like, like mash and everybody loves Raymond, like things that would be like sitcom mainstays. Like they started on this educational show for children. So like it were, it was people that were very smart and very good at their jobs and very sort of committed to like what they were doing. And I think you can sort of see that on screen with like this show does not feel half-assed. It feels like everybody is really no. genuinely having a good time. Rita Moreno's got an EGOT baby. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the caliber. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think other thing is really cool too, that we see a little bit of in the seconds we watch is that mm-hmm. like, even though this was a, you know, probably pretty low budget show on PBS, it still is. It's like really notable. It's, Consider this is like 1971 is when it starts. It used like pretty extensive innovative. It was a pretty extensive innovative use of like really early computer generated imagery just for like it's like fun psychedelic effects and stuff mm-hmm. that it would have. Um, it especially used something called Scanimate, which was this like what was at the time this very state of the art um, system. I think it sort of fell out of practice in like the 80s when, you know, computers became more powerful. But at sure. the time it was like an analog video synthesizer system. I don't really know exactly how it works, but there's a whole Wikipedia page on it if you want to read more about scanning <laughs> yeah i'm excited to learn but like but basically i mean they were kind of at the at the front of like doing this like innovative stuff with special effects on this and a lot of times it really was just because like because the show is supposed to be teaching grammar and reading it was just to present words and like you know have like particular sounds behind them or whatever so it's like I, I, and it would have like cast members interacting with word animation, you know, like mm-hmm. literally just a dude on screen with word art, which is nothing now. <laughs> but in like 1971, like yeah. to see it on a PBS show for like six to nine year olds, like yeah. it's pretty incredible that they were trying to do these like really innovative things on this show. Like they didn't have to do that, you know, like they were no. a nonprofit. They only were going to have so much money like they they really could have just half-assed it and been like we're talking to children we're gonna read them books who cares but like they were committed (laughs) to creating something really special and and i just i love that and i think that's that i think you you in the spider-man segments like you really see that because they do throw in a lot of really cool like animation or not not animation but like artwork Mm -hmm. and like you know cgi transitions and stuff and it's like it gives it such a distinct like vibe you know like yeah uh, and it makes and it so much more mix. entertaining. Like they do mix because you have uh, live actors looking at things that are on the frame or like that appear yeah. on screen uh, using, I'm assuming, this technique. 
Yeah, I, I gotta say the comic book stuff that they do in these Spider-Man segments is really fucking cool. Like it's, it's so, cooler than I thought it would be. That's for it sure. It really is. <laughs> I think that they use it really creatively because like mm-hmm. they can't. They're not doing full action sequences or whatever. So yeah. they find really creative ways to like transition from one sequence to another. And like, and in a lot of cases, like kind of break the fourth wall a little bit as they're like popping out of these comic book panels and stuff. Yeah. Like it's, it's just so cool. and so creative. Yeah. It's really, it's really, really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And truly like the only reason the show was canceled was just because of money. Like it was, it was really popular. Ooh. Like we kind of said, um, I mean, in all fairness, like this, it's not, it, it's, it's a PBS. It was a PBS show, yeah. nonprofit, nonprofit network. Um, the, the, you know, the, the, the children's television wor- workshop is nonprofit. Like there's only so much money involved. And I think the saving grace of Sesame street was that because it had Muppet Puppets. characters, super merchandisable, every penny that they spent on Sesame street, they would immediately like make back doubled through mm-hmm. the toys and merchandise they'd sell because, um, electric company like wasn't, built like that it wasn't built with muppet characters or puppet characters or anything and like they were intentionally trying to aim it towards a slightly older audience which means they're not going to have like as much like cartoony stuff that couldn't be sold as toys like it just wasn't as easy you just really couldn't merchandise it in the same way and so mm-hmm. i i think there is I, there's a lot of writing about it there's a whole npr article that actually goes into it really well. Um, even, I mean, honestly, just the Wikipedia page also just has some good information <laughs> that really is just sort of like the commentary from people who worked at PBS and worked on the show, or it's just like this weird push pull of like, Hey, the show's great, but like it's sucking up so much of our nonprofit money to make this like CGI heavy, like yeah. <laughs> high caliber uh, avant-garde art in some ways. <laughs> and we're not, making any of that money back and we need that to literally survive as a nonprofit organization. Yeah. So I, I kind of, it, it sucks. I think it's a little bit less, it feels to me less cynical than like a lot of other issues with shows getting canceled, but oh, it's sure. still, it does still suck that it was ultimately just like people yeah. love it and it's, and it's help, helping kids read, but uh, it costs too much. Sorry, it's bye. so hard for me not to think of like, if this show were being merchandised in the 90s, like what would they have done? Because like 90s to me feels like the height of like fad collectible type yeah, merchandising, yeah. you know? So like, would there be like trading cards or pogs or like just dumb collectible shit that would have like worked better for this show than it would have for Sesame Street where you can just like put Elmo on a shirt, you know? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what, they got like Paul... <laughs> Morgan Freeman's cop <laughs> character like I don't know Paul the gorilla which was surprised me that he was a recurring character I was very delighted well, to learn they, <laughs> to they, learn that <laughs> I mean maybe I'm getting ahead of 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 what you have prepared here but like they have these characters in comics you know what I mean like it's not like they didn't adapt them in some sort of way so like cast members from the electric company show up in Spider-Man comics or a specific series of Spider-Man comics so Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't have to be like Morgan Freeman's True, yeah. photorealistic face on merchandise, you know? Yeah. They were kind of no, like a step in the right direction. Yeah. You didn't get ahead of me. I, I don't have any notes on that stuff, but yeah, there oh, okay. are like crossovers and stuff with, with, you know, they, they did do like Spider-Man comic adaptations with the electric company, Spider-Man. There's like, um, like a, a record, like an actual, like, you know, audio record adventure with a uh, electric company, Spider-Man oh, stuff shit, on no it. Way. So. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's definitely like more stuff that we could dive into if we wanted to, um, like on Patreon or whatever, mm-hmm. probably. Um, like there is a whole Spider-Man electric company, Spider-Man, like little mini universe that exists, <laughs> which is incredibly it has its own cool. universe designation. I know like everything does, but like it is a strong enough universe that it, it has a designation and has mo- technically multiple forms of media that support that, that universe. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yes. It's very cool. I also realized I could not remember the word vinyl. I was like record audio record, <laughs> the circular <laughs> disc that you play music on. People knew what you vinyl meant. Record. Record. I people knew what I meant. Record's it was just, <laughs> I feel like record hasn't, hasn't lost its like specific meaning in the way that like tape has. Sure, like if you go, yeah. if, if I, if I went to like one of the, like, I don't know, like a 16 year old at the library and said like, Oh, Hey, I have this at home, like on record. I feel like they would probably know what I meant, but if I said I had this on home, at, like on tape, I don't think they'd have any clue. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, some people might not get it, or they like know no cassettes, but not VHS, or no VHS, but not cassettes. You know, yeah. like don't realize mm-hmm. that there's multiple kinds of tape. That yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, talking speaking of like technology and and time marching on. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's so the electric company as as an institution. I think is, is, is just really cool and really fascinating. I kind of, I feel like I've kind of fallen in love with it, fallen in love with the show a little bit from the little bit that we watch. Like very quickly. (laughs) Yeah. And I think too, like the thing that I also like about is, you know, Sesame street was really big on like, Hey, we're catering towards like a lot of like lower class city kids who aren't Mm -hmm. represented in, in media and don't have the, you know, access to like great education because electric company is very tied into that. It's the same sort of deal. So you get a lot of like, you get a very multiracial cast and it's like, they're not like trying to portray anyone as being like super affluent or anything either. Like it feels, and there's, I think the thing that I, that's the thing that I love so much about Sesame street and the fact that it's carried over here. Like it feels like so important to have existed for children, you know, like I just, I love to see that. get You know, it, that, that whole, that whole vibe really, really carries it too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the Spider-Man stuff specifically, they're called yeah. Spidey Super Stories. They originally ran between 1974 and 1977. Basically, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth seasons of The Electric Company. Um, about 29 segments were produced. I say about because I don't know how you count. Like like certain ones, like the actual introduction one, that was, I think, the teaser of that mm-hmm. Electric Company episode. I don't, think, I don't know if it counts or not. So I don't know exactly like how many well, times Spider-Man literally appears. Right. But That's the thing. Because like... Even if you go find a collection or like a compilation and and we have one that we'll, you know, you can find that's easy to find. Like some of the the entries in that compilation are not technically Spidey super stories. It's just Spider-Man appearing in like a like a phonic segment. (laughs) Exactly. So who knows? (laughs) Yeah. And like it's, you know, and I I don't know what if the show falls into lost media necessarily? Cause I, I feel like it's a combination of like, there's a lot of them that were released on DVD, but like we said earlier, but some of them were some stuff, some of them were had segments edited out. Like, I don't think it's ever been everything mm-hmm. released on DVD. It's always just been collections. Um, so I, I don't, I, I didn't do enough digging to learn. The, like, is it, are there things that literally are impossible to find that no one has archived anywhere, even, yeah. you know, on like internet archive, I think. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't dig, uh, super deeply either but the first two super stories that i looked for that weren't part of our compilation that we start that we sort of used as a launching point both mm-hmm. of them 
the few places I looked, people were like, oh, yeah, no, people have been looking that for that for years. <sighs> like, it, bummer. you're probably not going to find it. Yeah. Gotcha. Which yeah. doesn't so, mean yeah. it doesn't exist somewhere. It just means, you know, mm. it hasn't hasn't come forward it's in like some old (laughs) it's in like some old lady's basement somewhere who like forgot that she acquired it in an estate sale or something i think like (laughs) the best shot is well okay so do you know when they were rerunning it um in the late 90s were the spidey super stories included or had they been edited out because that's probably the best chance of any of this stuff existing is people recording it on vhs in the 90s Dang, that's a good question. You know what? I didn't even think to look into that. I, I, I have a feeling because I think that that was probably close to the time it would have started been released on DVD. I think maybe I don't know. I don't have the page yeah. pulled in front of me, so I don't remember the dates or anything. But I, I wouldn't be surprised because I think that by that point, ninety nine, I think they would have run into the same licensing issues with Spider Man. So they mm. probably had to edit them out at that point. I mean, that's I probably why they're so hard to find. Because I just have to imagine that if they were in those late 90s reruns somebody would have it on yeah. vhs oh yeah yeah I, I think so i think that makes sense they probably were edited out at that point um, i don't know we, obviously we didn't do the the, the 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 most deepest research ever so if you're not i'm sure there are people who are very knowledgeable a lecture company so you know oh if yeah we're let us wrong know. about any of this please hit us up we're, i'd be very curious we're new to Electro company and and we're celebrating 200 episodes so we're just having fun <laughs> yeah no this is this was not yeah we weren't putting too much pressure on ourselves yeah. for this this is very much sort of like we'll read the wikipedia page and then yeah. <laughs> maybe fill in the gaps otherwise i'll but dip around on the lost the media reddit for a little bit you know <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> if, right. if there is somebody out there who's like an electric company head please please reach out to us yeah that'd truly, be amazing I wouldn't mind doing another episode on this at some point. I would happily do another one, especially if there were somebody. Right. If there's somebody who's a guest who would want to come on and just like talk about their experiences with it, I think that'd be very cool. So you can consider this an introduction to the Spidey super stories of the electric company and then Mm -hmm. maybe a sequel later in the future. We'll see. Who knows? So who knows? Um, Feels like there's a whole universe we could dive into with this stuff, which is really (laughs) exciting. But uh, but yeah, so um, the the way that Spider-Man ended up in this, I think, is really fun. It really was just like because this was a nonprofit organization producing the show, they just were like, hey, can we use Spider-Man? He's a cool character. And Marvel is like, yeah, sure. So Spider-Man was wow. provided free of charge for them to use. That um, That makes me more upset that they eventually were starting to like edit out these segments and stuff. I have to imagine it was a tax write-off thing. Like they were basically could treat it as like some sort of level of a donation to a nonprofit organization. And then at I a see. certain point, um, they either can't do that anymore or it would be more profitable to, you know, have to yeah. pay a license for him. And, you know, so they didn't allow them to have his likeness anymore. So I don't know. I mean, that's all speculation on at my part. At this point, but just like do probably... it. Who cares? You're making so much fucking money off of Spider-Man. Just let them let let them out of the vault, not for new stuff, just for what already exists. Yeah, I mean, and there might be like it might be a case, too, where it's like there's a difference between producing educational segments and airing those and then like versus putting them on DVD where it's going to be sold for a profit, you know, Um, I think that could be part of it, too. Well, that's what people did. So yeah. people did it for them anyway. So like, <laughs> but I want to see the can crusher so bad. <laughs> no, I want to see all these in like slightly better quality too. <laughs> it, totally, totally. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, he shows up during the Electric Company's fourth season in 74, which means that it predated the pilot film of the Amazing Spider-Man live action series by three years. Ergo, this is the first live action rendition of Spider-Man. Um, and in fact, the first live action rendition of any Marvel character in any medium since the Captain uh. America serial of 1944. Gosh, in the first half of that, I was like, there's no way, but that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. The first live action rendition of a Marvel character. Like, yeah, there weren't really any. I mean, there would be more that would pop up. A bunch would. I think it's like it's it's. It's like they very quickly would start popping up after this, though, right? Like oh, you have sure. the Amazing Spider-Man, the Incredible Hulk show pops mm-hmm. up after this, like very quickly. Um, you know, so it 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 it's like I think I wouldn't be surprised if this arguably maybe helped create a wave, create that wave in the future because it's sort of like, hey, Spider-Man's costume looks really cool in live action, so maybe we should try to see this more often. <laughs> actually, <laughs> it does. Um... And I and and it and it will continue to look even better every time they do it, because <laughs> we have some really slick versions at this point. Um, that sometimes looking backwards is very funny. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it! I love it! I mean, in this obviously, this suit is like you know the cheapest possible sweats. version of it. It's very, it's literally just like sweats. Yeah, but I love it. I think it's really charming. I feel totally. Like this, That's what I would have worn as a kid as a costume. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that this version of Spider Man is so funny because it's like here's the thing that I that I was thinking about when I was watching this is that like I think what's so what what maybe would surprise a lot of younger people for being like Spider Man was just like this like funny silly cartoon basically cartoon like sketch character in this like educational children's show. Like that's so wild. And I think it's so interesting that like, it's only been very recently. I think that the mainstream pop culture consciousness has become really committed to like the integrity of these comic book superheroes in every form. I mean, obviously that is, there's always been like a subset of like fandom people who are hardcore fans of these characters who took them very seriously. Understandably. That's what the point of being a hardcore fan is. I get that. Mm -hmm. But, like, in the mainstream, like, for the longest time, characters like Spider-Man and Superman and Batman even, like, I feel like we're more akin to, like, Mickey Mouse in that they are these highly recognizable pop culture figures that, like, everyone and their mom would know who they are, but you're not being asked to, like, care about their backstory or their mythos or, like, again, like the integrity of like telling their stories correctly or whatever. It was just like, oh, they are just another funny cartoon character that makes you feel comfortable because you recognize them and maybe as a kid think they're really cool and consider them your hero. So you enjoy seeing them pop up on all your cereal boxes and Mm -hmm. getting toys of them in all your advertisements and popping up in, in sketch comedy shows like this. Like you're not looking for at Mickey Mouse and being like, well, I, I, I need every appearance of Mickey Mouse to like, matter and mean something and really appeal to the mythos of, of, of Mickey mouse and, you know, make sense in his lore and everything. Like nobody gives, like, I'm sure there are hardcore Disney fans who think that, but the majority of pop culture in the mainstream don't think that. And because I think of, you know, the, the, the flood and onslaught of geek culture taking over pop culture, like it's, I feel like people think that they have to take superheroes really seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of lose a little bit when you do that because there is something to this sort of icon mythological status of just like 
a fun character that everybody knows that makes you feel good and comfortable when you see them on the things that you love and, you know, allow allowing those characters to appear in stuff like this and not really caring whether it's like a good adaptation of him or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. The, there was a time before everybody's grandma knew the words canon and multiverse, if you can believe it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. For example, one of the things that I think is so funny that they do with the electric company Spider-Man is that Spider-Man, a character known for like talking a lot and making quips, yeah. uh-huh. says not a single word uh, in, in any of these segments. The whole shtick with Spider-Man in this show is that he communicates only with word balloons. Mm -hmm. Um, A comparison I I saw is like, he's basically kind of slotted into the role of Clarabelle, the clown from howdy doody, which, you know, another wildly popular children's show. Um, And the idea being that this comic book character, people are reading him in comics. So they're that a lot of kids learn to read by reading comics and reading Spider-Man because they have to read those word balloons. So we can sort of do that in television too. Even though we have a live action Spider-Man, if he only communicates in word balloons, kids are going to have to read what he says. Ergo Spider-Man is encouraging young viewers to practice their reading skills. And he's only ever like, it's only, it's just short phrases that he says, you know, like it's nothing complicated, but if you're like a six year old who maybe is struggling with reading if you see words that Spider-Man's saying and you want to know what he's saying, you're going to work harder to like try to learn what he's saying because it's Spider-Man on screen, you know? Yeah, I was I would <laughs> I was admittedly like worried about it because I was like Spider-Man doesn't shut the fuck up. It's like a core characteristic, you know what I mean? They right. even like to the point where it's commented on constantly. Um, but when I saw how these are structured and how they are presented like a mixture of sketch and comic book panels, it mm-hmm. actually just immediately started to feel correct that Spider-Man would be the one character on screen not speaking because he feels like he is coming out like off the page right. for these sketches. Yeah. Oh, that's such a, yeah, that's such a good way to put it. Like every other, most of the other characters in these sketches are just like, you know, the regular cast members. They're just people. <laughs> like, and right. then you have this like weirdo goofball version of Spider-Man who's just like showing up in his full Spider-Man outfit at like baseball games and like to like wash windows and stuff. Right, um, because, like, uh, <laughs> because even, even the villains for these segments are played by regular cast members. So kids would recognize like, oh, right. I know that that's, they're probably not saying I know that's Morgan Freeman, but I know that's Morgan Freeman because he was right. just on a different segment, you know? So like right. Spider-Man is also the only character who can get away with being a singular character because he's right. fully covered, fully masked. You know what I mean? So yeah, it all, it all, great. even without even like without even picking it apart, I feel like it, it feels correct. And then the more you think about it, the more it makes sense from like a multitude of, of perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I, I ended up really loving it. <laughs> Me <laughs> too. Watching it, it's honestly so fun because yeah. he's and he still gets his like quips and one-liners. They're just yeah. you know only communicated through word balloons, which mm-hmm. hey, that's how comics are. So it's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The only other thing that I wanted to add before we start diving in a little more deeply, not that deeply. We're not going to critically analyze the narratives of yeah, these what? electric company shorts. <laughs> um, but the other, just the other overarching thing that I want to get to, um, the theme song. Spider-Man, where are you coming from, Spider-Man? Nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows who you are. 
I have had the same song stuck in my head all week. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it's really look. It is a. It's it's very short, but it is quite the earworm. <laughs> it's what do you think of it? It really it, it's really giving like you know the composer was asked to write this song but had never read a spider-man comic in his uh-huh. life understandably like you don't have to uh they're just like write this song about spider-man like who's spider-man like he wears a he Literally. wears a spider costume and a mask like oh i guess nobody knows who he is because he's wearing a mask and that's all he landed on the lyrics <laughs> please the lyrics spider-man where are you coming from spider-man nobody knows who you are Spider-Man, you've got that Spidey touch. Spider-Man, you are a web-slinging star. I mean, you know what? Points for knowing the the word web-slinging. Uh-huh. Like that means he did he did the modicum of research. Give him that. Or like, I, I, the first half of this was written, somebody looked over at the page and was like, "Girl, come on, please." <laughs> try maybe <laughs> and so i say funny. that with affection because i love this theme song <laughs> it's so good it like it's weird how good it is i don't understand what makes it so good truly it's just like really it catchy is, it's so catchy it's so catchy <laughs> like yeah i will be saying nobody knows who you are like for yeah. the rest of my life what's even mm-hmm. we've say but we say all of that and just like riffing on this like silly catchy theme song what i love most about it is like who wrote it which <laughs> the show's composer for this season was this composer named Gary William Friedman who is most famous for this experimental rock musical called the me nobody knows nobody which knows sounds, nobody knows who they are this dude is committed <laughs> to this <laughs> this is artistic integrity at its finest nobody knows <laughs> the truth is though like it sounds like a really fucking cool musical i've never seen it but it sounds really good because it's it's first of all notable for being one of the earliest rock musicals to play on broadway um which i love a rock musical so that's very cool but also like it was uh known as one of the first broadway musicals to give voice to the sentiments of inner city american oh youth. shit it's basically like doing a lot, honestly, of like what Sesame Street and Electric Company was doing, yeah. where it was like, let's tell stories about these children who are and, and teenagers who are not represented in media or like demonized in media in a lot of ways. You know, mm-hmm. it deals with like it's a lot of like vignettes of like different kids singing songs dealing with like, you know, the, the you know, uh, the inner turmoil and like teenage struggles and like drugs and stuff like that. Like real, real life things that kids would be dealing with that just like don't often get talked about in the same way. Um, And, and and I think doing, you know, like in, in kind of like, again, like Sesame street and um, electric company, like doing it with like a multiracial cast, like trying to cast a wide net of diversity with Mm -hmm. the stories that are being told to, which is really cool. Like I love that that a lot. I really, I really want to see that musical, but um yeah, so I mean, that's who wrote this theme song, which, so you can't say that it's just like some like hack writing it because it's no. like a, a, a well-known no, Broadway composer, but also like you okay. definitely can't say it's a hack writing it because it's a fucking great song, so. That's a, well, that's the thing. Okay, what I feel like what makes a catchy theme song, um, and there are obviously exceptions to this, is like it sticks in your head and then when you think about it, you're like, the lyrics aren't really anything, are they? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's how, that's one of the reasons they can get stuck in your head so easily, you know? Like, yeah. the 90s... 
so many people know the 90s theme song, even if they don't realize they know the 90s theme song, you know? Yeah. Because it's you know, nothing, but it's sketchy. Four, and they've heard it a billion you know, times. Like four words, you right. know, the 90s theme song. <laughs> right. Or even, honestly, just the original Spidey theme song. Like, there's That's not true, that yeah. much to that song either, but it's catchy. Um, and the lyrics are really sort of like... They just they barely get into it, but they get into it enough, you know. Exception mm-hmm. obviously is things like Spectacular that has like an absolute banger of a theme song, but it's like not sort of simple like this one or like the original one or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But a sure. lot of a lot of theme songs are just like this, you know. It's a mm-hmm. it's an art. <laughs> it's good. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. We kind of already. We, we've mentioned many times that there is like a whole cast to the show that uh, plays tons of characters because it's a sketch show. Um, so for each one of these Spidey super um, super stories, like we see the same people playing different characters um, and they also will sort of take turns narrating each story. Uh, and, and so you get a whole variety, which is really, really neat, but Spider-Man is consistent and you found, uh, information on the guy playing mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because he wasn't one of the main cast members, but I think he was, he was involved. He was definitely involved in Sesame street. So he might've been involved in some capacity or another in electric company as well before he was cast as Spider-Man, but his name is Danny Seagren. Um, this is probably his biggest role, but he's basically a, a mostly a, pu- or was a puppeteer and dancer. Um, he was occasionally a stand in for Carol Spinney as big bird for a few ah. times. So, you know, so, he was heavily involved in like major Muppet productions. Yeah. Um, and I think that he was a, I don't know, like to his extent, you know, obviously this, a lot of the stuff isn't archived super well. So like his IMDB is just vaguely like additional Muppet performer. Like, yeah. Okay. Whatever that means. Um, so he, he, but he, it seems like for a while he was very involved um, in one capacity, another or another with like Muppet productions um, and being a Muppet performer, even if he wasn't one of the like, you know, main core, known ones right um so he that's how he ended up in the sort of universe i think his dancing background um is what let him be certainly cast helps spider-man <laughs> i think that helps yeah because it's all body language in this baby yeah. oh my god the body language is so funny too because again <sighs> pbs show very little budget they're not stringing this guy up with any fancy equipment like it is all just you know how he's yeah. moving and posing his body to imply oh. Spider-Man like things. My favorite with thing. One effect that I cannot get over and will never get over. My I'm excited to know exactly which one it is. I'm assuming we're it's gotta the be thing. the same one. It's the only like one where they even like attempt a special effect. Yeah. My but my favorite thing ever is like there's one segment where he's just sitting on a chair listening to a radio, but because he's Spider-Man, he sits on like the top like head of the chair and has his feet on the arms of the chair. He sits bisexually is what you're saying. Bisexually. (laughs) Hey, it works. They knew. Oh, boy. That's so good. But yeah, so um, some of those bigger names like Rita Moreno and, and Bill Cosby already were off the show at this point. So our sort of like big uh, recognizable still cast members are like Morgan Freeman um, and Hattie Winston were the two that I was like, oh, my God. And then Jim Boyd is everywhere on these as well. So mm-hmm. um, 
but they're interspersed. It, it it would make no sense to list off all their credits across these yeah. nearly thirty sketches. <laughs> but hey, if you if you want to hear Morgan Freeman narrating a Spider Man story, oh, do I got it? It's right here. <laughs> oh, baby! Before he was uh, the voice of God, uh, he was the voice of Spider Man comics on the Electric Company. Yeah, love that. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like we said before, you know, obviously. It's, it's, you know, it's hard to kind of find, um, it's impossible to find all of them, but there's not really like a legal way to just stream every Spidey super story. So we just, to make it easier on ourselves, we just picked a YouTube playlist that already exists that, uh, a YouTuber kindly just uploaded, I'm assuming just as many, um, Spidey segments as they could find and acquire. I think it's 19. So it's still more than half of them, right? Yeah, 19 or... I thought it was 16. Oh, maybe 16. Um, okay. I think it's 16, yeah. Um, and, like, a, you know, and it's a it's a selection. Like, there's some of them that are genuine Spidey Super segments. Some of them that are just, like, Spider-Man just appearing in a segment. So, like... Mm-hmm. Gives you a good It's a taste. variety of stuff. Yeah, it's a good variety. So, if you want to, like, check this out, I think the easiest thing is just checking out that um that segment because those those are the only ones that we watch to give us a taste. Yeah. Um, so, I, I do think that we got a very good uh selection to get a good idea of all this stuff but you know well not only does it have the official sort of like spidey super stories plus some of the like just Mm -hmm. appearances it spans the entirety of the three years that they were doing them so like it includes the very first one it includes the very last one and then it includes a spattering between the two seasons where it was regularly happening so was is the last one on the list the beastly banana was that the very last one that's my understanding yeah interesting what, a, what an interesting final Spider-Man yeah. segment. <laughs> I think, so I think the character in the Beastly Banana, that like Jennifer of the Jungle character, mm-hmm. I think was a regular sketch character. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if like she were just constantly on the show. Um, yeah, sure. And so that they brought sense. back Paul and because Paul and Spidey are friends, uh, it was like a perfect, perfect yeah. reason to do another one. Yeah. Yeah, I love in this universe, Spider-Man is just friends with a gorilla named Paul, just naturally. (laughs) Wouldn't you be? (laughs) Yeah. Today's episode, The Beastly Banana. The master of the monstrous, the mad scientist, is luring our hero ape, Paul, closer and closer to his doom. Spider-Man, on vacation and looking for a much-needed rest, finds danger instead. Poor Spidey. Spider-Man, thank Grandma you're here. Please, help me find Paul. So... How do we want to, how do we want to talk about this? Cause I mean, you know, some of yeah. these things, I think there are plenty of fun things to talk about and even riff on some of them, you know, there's really not anything to it. Um, I don't know how much you want to jump around or we can just like go in I, order and see if we have anything to say about each of them. I don't know. I don't even know if we necessarily have to touch on every single one. If there's nothing to say about it, That's fine. I will fine. say the first one I watched was a night at the movies, which That's features my- Morgan Freeman as a vampire or maybe explicitly Dracula. Um, yeah, trying to like Dracula. attack somebody at the movies and that's when i was like i'm sorry am i watching a show with morgan freeman on it you know what i mean <laughs> and it's a really short one but it, it, it really gave me a, an immediate impression of what i was getting into because the comedy of it is a classic sort of like 
stuff happening in the foreground with a character who has no idea what's going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, I see. Like, it's there's going to be comedy here, but it's not all going to be like in-your-face comedy or like punchline jokes comedy. Oh, I love these Spider-Man movies. Come on, Spider-Man, don't let the green glob get you. Yeah, come on, Spider-Man. Oh, Philip, why don't you get us some popcorn? Popcorn. Uh, right away, yeah, popcorn. Come on, Spider-Man. Oh, I hate you, green glob. Suddenly, Dracula appears. Yeah, I think you're underselling this one, though. This is my favorite segment because it is so... This is your favorite? Wow. I mean, I like this one a this lot, is my but I'm, favorite I'm surprised. Wow. I just think because it is so, because the more you think about it, the more, like, all of them, you know, obviously are kind of absurd, and some of them are just like, you just improv the story, basically, and I think that's fine. This one is just, like, so completely nonsensical in a way that I, that, on, like, a whole other level, I think, because it's so, sh- <laughs> because it's so short, it's, like, kind of rapid yes. fire, right? Because here are the levels to A Night at the Movies, this is why this is my favorite one, is it's not just people in a movie theater, it is specifically a couple in an empty movie theater watching mm-hmm. a Spider-Man movie, which, again, this is 1971, there have ne- there's never been a Spider-Man movie that has ever existed. Um, featuring a villain called the Green Glob. <laughs> featuring a villain called the Green Glob, and the way that they show the two people watching a Spider-Man movie, it's sort of like, oh, you get him, Spider-Man, you get that green glob and it's like clear again that they're improving it so she just says that over and over again oh get him spider-man mm-hmm. yes spider-man oh yes spider-man get that green glob and that's like her entire her entire mm-hmm. extent of her dialogue um yeah so that happens her husband or whoever partner whoever leaves spider-man just like shows up in his seat for no reason and just starts eating her popcorn mm-hmm. like for some reason um and so on one level it's sort of like oh the joke is like she's watching a spider-man movie who doesn't realize the real spider-man is sitting right next to her ha 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 isn't that funny how oblivious she is but then it's sort of like they ump the ante because of course morgan freeman is dracula just shows up behind her (laughs) and the narrator is sort of like oh no it's dracula and it's like it's there's no it's not like she's watching a vampire movie there's no reason that this is dracula every other segment will have like some sort of like themed villain that's a pun or something like that like they will be absurd but at least it'll like it makes some level of sense as to why they're using it or they came up with a fun concept. This one, it's sort of like, I don't know, it's just Dracula. It's not like, it's not like the popcorn bandit or like the movie sneaker or something. It's literally Dracula. And it's just, it's not a guy dressed as Dracula. It's just Dracula. And he tries to bite her and then Spider-Man webs up, webs him up and defeats him. So Spider-Man just fights Dracula in this movie theater. That's showing a Spider-Man movie. It's so fucking weird. I love it. (laughs) It is. It totally is. I will say, and I hope this doesn't break anything for you. I, I believe Morgan Freeman's Dracula was like a regularly appearing character on the electric oh, company. Shit. So I think okay. that's, I think it might've made not that, not that it makes any more sense, <laughs> but I think it might've made more sense just like visually to the audience okay. to be like, Oh, this character's over here. It's a now. recurring character. Yeah. No, that does, that does make a lot more sense because they didn't just make up Dracula. They have actually chosen a character from their recurring cast of characters that does make sense and i think it, it was a lineup still... of monsters so i think as as much as it might break this segment a little bit i think there is something for you to look forward to uh yeah. in a trio of sort of classic monsters including dracula sure i love that don't get me wrong i think it's great <laughs> i do think there's still something really funny that like if they wanted to have spider-man fight their dracula character 
there's a million ways they could have done that, and they picked a setting that has yep. nothing to do with Dracula. And just no put him in the segment. <laughs> right. That's all. Like, Don't I still explain think it. That just that's put him there. <laughs> hilarious that that's how they choose chose yeah. to use Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me too. No, I love it. What's funny about it, too, is it feels... I know it's not technically the first segment or the first episode of this series of you know shorts or whatever um but it feels to me like it could have been one of the first ones they made especially because it mm-hmm. includes a, one of the regular characters mm-hmm. and if that were the case that means they got it in one for you like they basically yeah. made one sketch <laughs> and we're like damn we did it we found Derek's favorite yeah. We don't need I, to make any more. <laughs> I do think that like if, cause this, and that wasn't the first one I'd ever seen period either. So like, I'd oh, it was seen, not I'd seen it. No, it was not the first one I'd ever seen. Um, the night that we were looking at this playlist was the yeah. first time I'd seen that one. Um, I I'd seen, Oh, a this is of the first before. one I'd ever watched. Cause I think, I don't know. I must've just not paid attention to the first one. Cause they're all like three minutes to six minutes long or something. Yeah. So the yeah. first one I was paying attention to is this one. So this truly was my introduction to the the Spidey Super Stories, and I think it was a perfect intro. Yeah, I think that if you just want to check out one of them, that's a perfectly good one to check out because it's very short, and I think it's like, yep, this is what you're in for. <laughs> yeah, it establishes the tone. I, however, cannot in good conscience, if you're going to check the show out, you can't stop at one. You can't stop at one. You that's simply fair. can't because some of them are so ridiculous like i think my favorite right now and i say that because i feel like it could change i'm not gonna stop watching these (laughs) my favorite right now is spidey meets the yeti because it is the stupidest fucking sketch it's a warm summer day and a young woman is about to refresh herself with a double scoop fudge ripple ice cream cone when suddenly Spider-Man, who's been out jogging to keep in shape, appears on the scene. Oh, Spider-Man, am I glad to see you. Some big furry monster just came in here and sat on my double scoop fudge ripple ice cream cone. You're telling me. I mean, the parts just aren't safe anymore. Look, you better catch this furry monster or I'm going to stop reading your comic books. Yeah. And it's so, it's like the longest one too. It's, it's the longest one. It's so weird. It is purely absurd. Like it is just so like the whole premise of this one is that a Yeti sort of ends up um, in this neighborhood and it, it, it's, it's lost. It's supposed to be up in the North pole, but it's lost. And so it's like, it's out of its element and it's, it's sort of scared and it's sort of like, Oh no, what do I do? But no one knows this cause it's a scary Yeti. All they know is that this Yeti keeps sitting on their ice cream and baked goods and then walking away. And this, and these segments are all, you know, like, two minutes, three minutes. This one is six minutes. So you were just sitting there watching this Yeti played by Jim Boyd, who gives it his fucking all. Um, He's going for it. Oh my gosh. All of his like body language and mannerisms are so funny to me. This is like, this is one of those ones where I was like, you're trying to make people on set laugh, aren't you? Because he doesn't (laughs) just walk on set. He is doing the most. 
and just sitting on people's desserts. Yeah. Well, and even when he does that, the thing that I love too, <laughs> yo, so he, pleased with himself. He, yes, that. <laughs> and also like when he sits on those desserts, like the, like the first, the first time it happens, he like sits on a lady's ice cream cone on a bench, Yeah. but like he makes it a point to like sit almost on her too. Uh-huh. And, but she had, and she has to like, her character is supposed to not notice him there. Right, so no she has to play it. completely oblivious <laughs> while this like giant hairy, hairy being is like basically all over her. Like, and just be like, mm-hmm, what happened to my ice cream? Like, it's so fucking funny. What happened to it is it's up this Yeti's asshole. <laughs> like, it's so fucking weird. And that's what I love too. Like they, uh, I mean, first of all, so many fetishes. I had to be born from the Yeti sitting on ice cream and cakes. First of all, uh-huh. but also the fact that they included a cake. I was like, oh. these. Oh my god! <laughs> like, was this the invention of that fetish? Maybe I don't know. Could have been. Who could tell? It easily could have been. It was a show watched by many people, many of them young, who were maybe at a stage where uh-huh. it maybe imprinted on them a little bit and affected who they grew up to be. I don't uh, know. Just saying. I don't but, know. I don't know. <laughs> and also between like the Yeti and like Paul the gorilla, like this show is really going for it with their like gorilla Sasquatchy yeah. adjacent like suits. Mm-hmm. Like also definitely probably awaken things. A lot of people. Um, the other thing too, is like this segment. I love how it like sort of ups like the, the way that it sort of like ups the ante is like by just explaining how fucking stupid this Yeti is. Cause mm-hmm. it's just like, oh first of all, God. the narrator's <laughs> like, like well, the, the best part too. It's so good. Cause it's sort of like, they're like the Yeti just can't read street signs. And so, and so he can't find his way home, which is first of all, like hilarious <laughs> that it's just, he can't read street signs. So he's like, he misses home. So he's sitting on cold things because it reminds him of home. Of home. Right. It's sort of like why he's it's sitting on them. You know, it's comforting why well, is to like sit on them as opposed to just like hold a piece of ice i don't know that you think he Yeti's probably really sits on it. the cold ground derek okay. his Obvious, chair is yes, probably true. made of an ice block it's a good point i'm i'm the idiot and you know who else is a fucking idiot according to the narrator is the, the yeti. yeti so why did he sit on a cake which isn't cold at all because he's a very dumb yeti and he thought the icing on the cake was made out of real ice. This is my favorite part of the sketch. It's so good because you <laughs> yes. start to you start to catch on, right? It's like, <laughs> oh, we sat on ice cream. That's weird. And then it's like they make a point to be like the next thing he sits on is an extremely cold drink with just so much ice. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then just a room temperature cake. Because it's because icing. It's so icing. icing is made of ice. <laughs> but like the narrator literally, I think, calls him a very stupid Yeti. I'm a like, very stupid damn, yeti. girl. Like, why are you re- reading this guy so hard? Jeez. <laughs> like, he's just trying to it. go home. He's just homesick. It's yeah. not his fault. And then it ends <laughs> up, yeah, it. that ends up being sort of like the whole like thing at the end is like, oh, he's lost and scared. Like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be mad or we shouldn't lock him up or arrest him. Like he just, he just needs to find his way home. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. That's right now. That's my favorite of, of all the sketches yeah, we watched. It's so that fucking is an, funny to me. I, I think that is an amazing choice. I think that is maybe objectively, probably one of the best, if not the best of the sketches. It's, it's so just, amazing. It it's also beyond. has the bit. It also has the bit where like Morgan Freeman's like recurring cop character, like he has, uh-huh. I think he's one of the drink. He has his drink like stolen he's or whatever. Yeah. Yep, yep. And he's like, "Help, police, police!" And then he like takes this really excruciatingly long beat to like look down at himself and down at his shirt and see his badge and be like, "Oh, that's me." Help! 
Help! Please! Please! Help! That's me. Oh, Spider-Man. Oh, am I glad you're here. Listen, a big furry thing just came along here, sat right on my great soda. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> It's so stupid. Oh, I love it. But it's like, it's Morgan Freeman, like, giving his absolute fucking right. all to right. deliver that stupid-ass joke. It's That's so good. That's what's so amazing about these these sketches <laughs> is, like, Morgan Freeman, Jim... I mean, everybody who's in them is, is having a lot of fun, but Morgan Freeman, um, Jim Boyd, and Hattie Winston are just delivering. Like, every character... If it's a villain and Hattie Winston is portraying them i'm in love with the performance like she's the one who is queen b she's also um i think uh the one who stole the show the like the whole villain who's like pissed because she was a child star and now she's just a boring old grown-up like she just gives everything to these like dumb three-minute villain roles what I want, and right now what I want is to conquer the world, you dig? <laughs> oh, here come some of my helpers now. <laughs> yeah, oh, she is so, so good. Like, good. I, I didn't really care for the Queen Bee one that much, but she is oh, I really love good Queen in Bee. it. I, I love her. I think the Queen Queen Bee it does feel like a like Batman sixty six villain. I think in a way that's really fun. Yeah. Um, and she just has I, a sidekick. She's just like, and here is my sidekick who does nothing. I like <laughs> just a guy like, with a mustache with a shirt that says like, what it says is it? Beekeeper. Beekeeper. It beekeeper. Her sidekick. On it. Beekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. A guy with I love a mustache. her. I love her in it. I would. I think that that segment, like, just not really a lot funny happened, but like her herself, yeah. that performance is yes. really funny, and I would she have loved to see that character it. do other stuff. And the only, yeah. the only other thing that's like, she is amazing to watch in the Queen Bee one, um, and then really the only like funny joke. I mean, any for everything she says lands, but like the only really funny joke to me at least is just her sidekick that just has the name beekeeper on his shirt. It's nothing. It's nothing. I laughed a lot at that. It's absolutely yeah. nothing. <laughs> it's yeah. Just like yeah. having a guy. <laughs> just having a guy. But the other one, the who stole the show one, I did. I really love that one. Cause what's funny about that is that like a lot of the Winky villains. Goody that- shoes. <laughs> what is that name? I have no fucking idea. Like a lot of the, a lot of the villains that they come up with for these, mm-hmm. I mean, it, in case you're wondering, no, they don't use any comic book villains in this. Oh, I think for good that's reason. That's why I'm having <laughs> such a good time, everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not a single one. Spider-Man is the only comic book character that they pull from this. And I think it's good because all, they're doing it so they can just make up these random ass like characters that are usually just like weird puns and stuff. But like a lot of, and a lot of times it is absolute nonsense, but like yeah. sometimes they will give them back like legitimate backstories. Yes. <laughs> The wall is the wall really not from comics at all? I don't think so. I knew the only reason I ask is because I recognized the wall, probably because it's just so absurd that it's probably been on like a list or something. Um, but I recognize that character. <laughs> oh my god, you are so right. He actually is a Kalifa character. It's like Holy the one shit. that I feel like is well, and it is hard because like I looked up Queen Bee to see if she was a comic book character. 
Um, and she's the in one. the Spidey Super Stories comic, but that's the comic mm. that's technically like an adaptation of these stories or like that takes gotcha. place in the same universe. So, um, but yeah, the wall, I think maybe is the only one. <laughs> I just, that is so funny. So weird. I mean, uh, but it makes, Oh, well, you know why? Because the first of his first appearance was Spidey super stories. Number eight. Oh, okay. It <laughs> was go. created from this show, but okay. I think he may be so absurd. I feel like he did actually break outside of super story. There has to be, I, I, maybe not, maybe not. I'm I'm talking out of my butt here, but I did recognize this villain, the wall. Yeah. I mean And the wall has a, a backstory. They're like, was a normal high school student. Like it's just like, okay. Yeah. It was just like got caught in a chemistry experiment and now he's a wall. Like now oh, he's a wall. Oh, okay. a wall. <laughs> All right. Little does Spidey realize that in this unlikely location, he will soon be up against the wall. A normal happy high school student until an incredible blunder during a chemistry experiment turned him into a wall. And now he's out to spoil everything, including Spidey's day off. Sure. <laughs> but sorry, um, you were talking about uh, Winky Good Shoes or Winky Goody Shoes, the, the show stealer. But who lurks backstage waiting to strike? Me! I'm going to steal the show! <laughs> Why do you want to go and do a thing like that? I'll tell you why. When I was your age, <laughs> I was America's sweetheart, the world's most talented and cutest child star. Oh, I danced my way into the hearts of millions. And what's more, I always stole the show. <laughs> Oh, but now I'm just an ordinary grown-up, but I can still steal the show. <laughs> yeah, the the show stealer one, I fucking loved it because yeah, the back. I love that it actually does feel like an origin story where like if there was like a slightly like darker twist on it, like mm-hmm. I think it would have just fit into like a Spider-Man cartoon or, or Batman cartoon. Like she reminds me, I mean, similarly like of like, um, like baby doll from Batman, mm-hmm. like yeah. cause her origin story is that like, she is, was a, she was a really famous child actor who was like, you know, who, who loved being an actor. But then as soon as she grew up, like nobody cared about her because she's a grown up now. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't want to be an ordinary grown up. And because she's so like mad and vindictive about it, she like, evilly steals theater props literally stealing the show because she used to steal the show as a child which, which is, is like amazing because it's just it's mostly annoying it's like not yeah. even a big deal it's mostly annoying <laughs> but like it also like so it good. actually like makes sense you know what i mean like yeah. it's, it's, really it's the funny. perfect combination of like an understandable backstory but then like just kind of a weird absurd like eyebrow raise villain you know what i mean yeah yeah like oh all you went through all of that to just sort of like mildly inconvenient stage productions <laughs> right right it's so good and then, like but what's funny too like they don't even really like defeat her they're just sort of like hey do you want like tickets to our show like you're great. <laughs> we love you we remember when you were a kid and you're great and like getting attention like was sort of like okay right. i'm not evil anymore right the first <laughs> person right. to remember who she was in like 10 years <laughs> that's all it took 
That's all it took. This is sort of in a similar vein to like how that backstory is. The prankster one, which I didn't necessarily like love or anything. It wasn't my favorite by any. It was very in the middle for me. Yeah, same, that one was. Same. But what I did find very funny about that one is the the prankster the whole origin story of the prankster is that spoiler alert for this one because it is a bit of a mystery um the (laughs) the prankster turns out to be like the principal of the school who's like getting revenge on his students for pranking him every day but then like the students are like oh that's okay we'll let it slide this time and then just continue to prank him which in like any other sort of like comic circumstance would be so absurd because it's like i'm literally telling you what my villain origin story is and you are just going to continue doing it so i guess i'm gonna continue being a villain like it just was like so funny to me okay what's what's so absurd about that one too is that like he's like trying to purposely get back at the children but like some of his pranks were at the expense of the teachers Teachers. not the kids oh my god like okay that's not my favorite episode, but once again, fucking Hattie Winston destroying <laughs> a joke where it's like she's teaching a class to adults on how to answer a phone. The entire lesson is literally just wait for it to ring and pick up the receiver. I shall now demonstrate the proper way to answer a phone. First, you wait for the phone to ring. Oh, very good. Now, the ringing sound you hear is your signal to pick up the receiver. Hello? 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 Can you hear me? Someone is trying to embarrass me. It's really, it is so, yeah, it's just all good <laughs> physical so comedy. And I perfect love it. timing I think, and perfect body language and everything. Yeah. It's also like you mentioned it, but it's sort of like the implication is that this is a school for children. It's children <laughs> in the end in the principal's office. But that one that scene one for class. some reason, I, I really think that it was just sort of like they ran out of time for like the time that they're the allowed to have be on children set on any set. Longer. And they're like, we have to get this. We have to get this. So you, I know you're like literally a balding 40 year old man, but I'm going to need you to sit here and pretend to be an eight year old. And they just are there doing it. And they're it. all sitting like just simply too close to the teacher or staring at this phone. Oh, it's so good. Everything about that, that piece of that episode is so chef's kiss to me. It's so good. Yeah. That, that whole, that little piece of it like saves that entire segment. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so, Um, so funny. They also like throughout 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 it, but I noticed it in this one. Like they refer to Spider Man's spider sense as Spidey's insect sense. Insect sense. Why? <laughs> I mean, this is supposed to be an educational program, and they're like teaching children <laughs> the wrong thing. Like the, right, like, this is an opportunity. To, yeah, right. Yeah, very silly. <laughs> How dare. <laughs> What was the what was the effect you were talking about? I want the web swinging, you... where it's literally just him like laying on the floor on his side and kind of rolling a little bit. It's extremely good. It's it so funny, incredible. <laughs> because what's wild, Derek, is it's honestly kind of effective. <laughs> I will say, I think it's a, I think it's just as effective, if not more effective, than what they do in the 1977 show. So can't wait to get into all that. That's for sure. Just saying. Um, if we're talking simply web swinging, 
I agree with you for sure. Yes, 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 yes. For sure. It is, it is, it is their one attempt at like a special effect in this show for like Spider-Man's powers or no, they actually do too because they do the, the, the flashing web on screen. Um, that was, that was the one that I was going to name as a special effect that I really liked a lot because it's like incredibly unnecessary to have the web flashing. Like, I don't, like, I think they really just did that because it was sort of like, well, you don't want it to just look like we're throwing a net on someone. So we'll just put a flashing effect on the screen a little bit and you know, that'll make it look a little more magical than it actually is. And I'm like, you know what works for me. But what's so beautiful (laughs) about those two effects and what's so beautiful about so much of the comedy in these sketches is they know what they're working with. And instead of like trying to compensate or cover any of that up, they just lean fully into it, which is what ends up making so much of this work. Like you said, they probably couldn't have the kids any longer for that phone segment or they were like, shit, we need another segment. And someone would, who knows, maybe Hattie just did that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There are certain things in these sketches where I'm so confident they just were doing things, you know, yeah. and it just right. works so well. And it, and it's, uh, you know, the, the, the web swinging effect is so stupid. Uh, but mm-hmm. because the, because Danny Seagrin presumably is like really committing to the web swinging, but on the floor effect, like it kind of <laughs> works anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just, oh God, it's so goofy. <laughs> I just can't imagine what it had to be like on set, like filming that. <laughs> I want to see it. So, I just want one behind the scenes photo. Please, that's all I want. <laughs> laying on the floor, just laying on the floor, like, like, kind of <laughs> hanging from a rope, like. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. So funny. Like it's not magic. even them like pulling him on a cart across the screen. Like it's literally him laying on the floor, and the background they insert is is what's moving. It's oh, yeah. it's it's brilliant. Truly, it's movie magic. It's magical right for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, my gosh. Any um, that we haven't mentioned that you like really need yeah. to get to here? Yeah. The first one that I'd ever seen was actually oh, the Birthday yeah. Bandit one. I'd seen the Birthday Bandit one. Um, I saw it because um, um, on Sci-Fi Explosion, the show that Chris Cummins does. Yeah. Um, we've had him on the podcast a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He... Will have he will sometimes on his um cartoon show that he does on Saturday morning sometimes will include these Spider-Man segments. Hell yeah! Um, and I'm trying to remember. It's the Birthday Bandit was the first one I ever saw, and then the Wall one was the other one that I've seen from oh that. God. So I had seen that beforehand as well. Um, but the Birthday Bandit, I know, is definitely the first one I'd ever seen. And I think that I love that one a lot too, because it's just like it's literally a guy who steals birthdays, and that's it. Like that's that, that's the. Premise. I love how simple. See, this is what I love about so many of these cartoon, and now in this case, live action, like TV specific exclusive villains is like they're not overcomplicated. No, they're so simple. They're so singularly focused most of the time, and just a guy who steals birthdays, amazing. Mm-hmm. Love it. No notes. And what? Believe it or not, and like believe it or not, that's the one that has I think the most like elaborate fight sequence because it really like Spider Man is wrestling the Birthday Bandit yeah. for a while. Like they have a whole like it's it is like you know choreo like obviously like choreographed stage combat. <laughs> like it's not good wrestling, but like to see that there's action. Like he's wrestling but the guy over any. a fake cake to see any was is very surprising. Right? Because a lot of times at least what of they the do 16 is, we watch, there just isn't really any action or fighting. Like it's not the right. point necessarily. 
Exactly. Or if there is action, they just cut to a comic panel of Spider-Man right. saving the day, essentially. Right. So the fact that you have him just like wrestling the birthday bandit for a while, I was like, damn, we're actually getting kind of down and dirty here. Like this, like this guy is like, must be like one of the more intense villains on this show. <laughs> <laughs> And then the way that one ends, it's just for no reason. Spider-Man saves the day is just sort of like, and of course he spends the rest of his day in his birthday suit because he's doing laundry. (laughs) Inspired by his friend, Paul. Isn't Paul in that one? Uh, No, Paul is not in that one. Paul is in the other one that has birthdays in it. Oh, okay. I'm mixing up the birthdays. I'm so sorry, Paul. (laughs) It is the blow. It's the blow hard one. I love the blow hard so much. I don't even care about the episode that much. I love the the blowhard. Boy, look at that. It sure is windy out there. Weather person didn't say anything about so much wind today. That's because the weather person didn't know. In fact, that gust of wind has nothing to do with the weather. That was no gust of wind. That was a gust of me. <laughs> it's the blowhard, the evil windbag, the greatest example of reading gone wrong. When he was a little boy, he read The Three Little Pigs. After that, he slid right into a life of crime. This is this is exactly the kind of exclusive villain I want to see. It's yeah. so simple and stupid and nothing and it's like he's so committed to it. So committed to it. His whole origin story is that (laughs) he read the three little pig story and like really liked it. the wrong message. What did they say? They specifically said, oh God, where is it? Uh, The create, oh, the greatest example of reading gone wrong. (laughs) Like what? Which is so funny to say on your show that's intentionally teaching children to read. Right. Look, this look, the blowhard is here to teach us about media literacy, okay? Not just reading words. Honestly, kind of love that analysis of it. It's pretty beautiful. It is a perfect villain. Yeah, it's a perfect It's You've a perfect cape villain. And a top hat. Yeah, he's he's honestly like the villain that we need to see on to see on screen in the year 2023 for certain <laughs> people on the internet. Truly. Like it it's is not about phonics. Be, it's about literacy. <laughs> it, is, it, it is possible to be negatively influenced by the media because you yourself are not oh. correctly understanding what you're seeing or reading. God, so good. Obsessed yeah. with the with the blowhard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god! So good. Um, the other one of the other origins I like was the uh, I, what I like about this one is sort of like the weird turns that it takes that it, it does kind of overcomplicate it a little bit. The hum when Spidey yes. fights the hum because the hum the origin so the hum is just uh-huh. uh, is a, a villain whose whole deal is that he hums a lot, right? His origin because story. F- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, his origin story. I need. I need to go by the step by step. The origin story is that back in the fifties, he was a famous singer, and one day he <laughs> forgot the words and just started humming. So my first, you know, your first reaction is like, "Oh shit!" So his funny little origin story is that you know he forgot the words to his own song, started humming, and people like booed him, and that turned him into a villain, <laughs> right? Because he forgot the words, and now he hums permanently or something. But no, no, there's a twist to this. 
when he starts humming, that actually makes him incredibly famous yeah. because he's such a good hummer. And everyone loves his humming. What what his villain turn is, is that years later, humming just isn't a fad anymore. And no one cares that he's good at humming, which means that no one likes him anymore, which is why he has, of course, to turn to a life of crime. And the way he turns to a life of crime is, of course, like everyone guessed, is by becoming a fake television and yeah. radio repair. He man. just becomes a con man. He's like not even really a villain. Right. right. <laughs> like he's just a guy who's scamming yeah. people. Yeah. He just shows up in their houses and it's sort of like your television isn't working. You hear this hum and then he hums because hum. he's a really good hummer. And they and they think it's real, so they would and they'd pay him to repair a fixed a, a television that isn't broken, basically. This is that's that's what he's doing. This is a great example of what works so well for me in this show. Because it's him humming right next to them and people being shocked that their electronics are humming. <laughs> Raw. Like, like their reactions are just so funny because it's like, oh my gosh! <laughs> like the kid being like, but it's brand new. <laughs> well, okay, that'll be fifty bucks. Hey mom, look! I finally got that new transistor I've been saving oh, for. Oh boy, that's a beauty! I bet you has a hum. A hum? I just got it. Let me see it. Yeah, let him look at it. He's very good at finding hums. Hum. Meanwhile, he's like shit-eating grin humming right next to them. So good. Also, I know it's the same guy, but origin uh, story humdinger can get it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, also, just funny to me that it's like kind of just like Elvis. It's like, what if Elvis, yeah. you know, became a, a television and electronics repairman con man? Like, it's just yeah, so the- goofy. <laughs> the the alternate universe story that we've all thought about before. Yeah, that's how Boz Lerman's ends. Uh, you know, spoiler right. alert. I know it was three hours, so none of you finished it, but this is actually it. <laughs> um, this isn't this isn't specific to this one, but like, I I love the sound effects that they have for Spider-Man's word bubbles because whenever a word bubble pops up, it's like a weird springy noise or like sometimes a lot of times it's like a cause I think it's a kazoo that like sounds like a quack, like a duck's quack when it pops up on screen. It's just a weird little yeah. detail. It's, it's, so, it's not silent. It's all part of the package. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it right, fits in right. so perfectly. Yeah. It would feel weird if without it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, I don't really care about the thumper episode, but the thumper sound effect is funny. Like they they use their sound effects well. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about the thumper one. I I oh, I do like the absurdity of like the thumper is just an eight year old who who was spoiled and then dresses up like Napoleon Bonaparte. Yes, and, and that like, I like. Well, of course, it's more just like the story <laughs> they tell with it is like fine. Right. The I think the right. only one of these that I really just was like I don't think I like this one was probably just the silly willy clown one. I hated that. I one. just was that like, this was isn't awful. this one's not funny to me. Um, no, it's yeah. There's nothing even remotely clever about it. Yeah, and it's not surreal or weird enough. To no, be like it could have gone in like, that direction, it, and it should have based on how everything else kind of is. Um, but yeah. it just wasn't. I think that's the only one I watched that I really. I mean, with the exception of the like educational segments, but even those were funny. Um, yeah, yeah, like um, like the Blue Beetle one, which is so funny that there's just a guy named the Blue Beetle. This. <laughs> 
That's not somebody named not a this DC clip. Comics blue peel. <laughs> because I bet this segment doesn't have a name, but somebody named yeah. this Spidey versus the Blue Beetle versus on YouTube. Beetle. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that was very intentional, very smart of you, because mm-hmm. you know it tricked us. I, we were excited. I love that the. <laughs> I love that the blue beetle, it's just like a guy in like a t-shirt and shorts, not even pants, yeah. like a t-shirt and shorts. Like khaki <laughs> like, shorts. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, let's see. The, what else? The other educational one legitimately was funny to me. I thought they did a good job with that one. It was just oh, about the, the EA oh. vowel sound, but it was, mm-hmm. I thought it was, it was good. Also, Spider-Man has like web wings randomly. In that, in that one, one, yeah. Like, what's up with that? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Why are they not appearing like in they, any other sketch? Right. Like, they tried it out there and are sort of like, yeah. oh, this isn't working. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the one thing in the wall that I like that we did Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we only really talked about the wall of the character, not the wall of the story. Yeah, because... Because that one is actually like a really funny one because yeah. it's just Spider-Man at a baseball game repeatedly oh. being like, go Mets. <laughs> Yay, Mets. <laughs> that and Morgan Freeman. I wish I had written it down. Morgan Freeman delivers a line, something to the effect of, I can be stupid when I want to be or something like that. Lucky I didn't slap him with a $50 fine. I can be pretty stupid when I want to be. And it just was so funny to hear him say... Just be like proud of how stupid he can be. <laughs> just, just like this is incredible, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, such conviction. Stuff. Yeah, and Spider-Man aggressively holding a hot dog at the wall, also with so conviction, <laughs> with such conviction, and the wall just being like, "You're so dumb. You're trying to eat a hot dog with no mouth." Uh-huh. <laughs> and, it's like, oh. and he got him. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, because it's like he never takes his mask off. Uh-huh. So I guess that's true. <laughs> It, he can't eat you know, in this universe. <laughs> uh, so, so good. So good. Yeah. These are so fun. Yeah. They're so fucking fun. I They're really so good. wasn't so good. totally sure what to expect. Like, I was excited to watch them. I didn't know how I was going to enjoy them, you know? Mm-hmm. But I just genuinely, very sincerely fucking love these. Uh, yeah. They're so They're good. so entertaining. And they're so, like, comforting to watch. Um, and it's like... I love it. I love that it's like it's it you know it is so clearly made for children, but it doesn't feel like it's really talking down to Not kids either all. because every everything is so absurd anyway that like it's the kind of thing where it's like if you're a child, I think you're just going to find all of this really funny no matter what, yeah. because it is so weird and so silly in a way that appeals to children. But it, it is so weird that it is like hilarious when you're watching it as an adult. And a lot, some of the jokes are genuinely really funny mm-hmm. and like really clever. Like they're not, co- they're never complicated jokes. Like it's usually just like puns and like physical humor, but like there is still cleverness in it. You know what I mean? Yep. And um yeah it's just it's yeah it's just it's such a it's such a joy to see something like this like i feel like it is kind of a if you're in a shitty mood and just need to pick me up you can throw these little segments on and just laugh at these absolutely bananas absurd villains and these actors giving their all with playing them (laughs) oh gosh did you happen to look through the list or any of the descriptions of episodes we didn't watch i did not did you some of them and and the one I f- I've already mentioned it, but the one I want to see so bad is Spider Man meets the Can Crusher. And can I please just read you yes. the Wikipedia 
synopsis for this one. Long ago, a young boy visited a soup factory, but lost his pet frog in a vat of tomato soup. As an adult, the can crusher, played by Jim Boyd, so I know he was committed, visits supermarkets Mm -hmm. to find the can where his beloved frog may be, smashing them with a large hammer, causing a disturbance and a food shortage whenever he destroys cans in his vain efforts. (laughs) That is the villain of that episode. (laughs) Is he trying to kill the frog? I don't don't know. Is that how he's trying to find the frog, is by smashing them? Or does he smash them when he doesn't find the frog? I don't understand. And then he also disguises himself as a store manager to like trick Spider-Man. Like it just, I, it feels like it would be my favorite and I'm so mad that no one has it because <laughs> I want to watch it so bad. <laughs> if, if you somehow have this episode and just have never told please, anyone, please, I need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it says Jim Boyd sporting a Don King type hairdo, a large red nose, and wearing a black what? jumpsuit. Why? What? I don't know. <laughs> a large a Don King hairstyle, a large red nose. Okay. Uh, and according to this synopsis, spoiler alert, the can crusher gets away. So set up for a sequel? <laughs> there are a couple of cliffhangers in these ones yeah. that we watched that surprised me. Maybe not like cliffhangers necessarily, but like open-ended endings. And it's just like what Spidey can't keep, can't catch the blah blah blah. What will happen? Will they yeah. ever return? And it's like, I don't know, do they? Yeah. Like I would like to know. <laughs> yeah. There's another one here that I'm just noticing, and this is one of the ones that I ran into people really wanting to find online that is currently considered lost media. This one people are really trying to find because Spidey Meets the Funny Bunny is believed okay. to potentially be the first portrayal of uh, an African-American actress to be the president of the United States on television. What? So, like, That's incredible. Right. So like, I, I, this was one of the ones that you know I, I really would also like to see, but lots of people, uh, relatively speaking, are looking for this one specifically yeah. for that because it could potentially be the first show wow. to depict a black woman as the president of the United States. That's bananas. That's so cool. Isn't that fucking rad? Because that would have been in what? 1975? 1974? 1975? Or depending, yeah, depending on which season. Yeah, around then. That is so cool. So I just, I hope one day, I mean, this is the kind of thing that like, I'm going to be genuinely so stoked about if one day the news drops that like all of these were found, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, God. It's possible. It it happens with this kind of stuff sometimes. Oh, God. I can't wait. So. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, this show rules. I, I, Electric Company is, it's like, like, did the world such a service by existing? (laughs) I know. I know. Uh, I'm so glad we did this and that I now understand even just like Mm -hmm. the the surface level, right? Of, of why this show is so important to people and so beloved. It's just, it's so, it's such a lovely thing to have existed. Fully get it. Fully get it. Doug, please, yeah. please talk about this first face of the, the episode. only I couldn't. It's so good. It's so it's good. It's all, it's the moment I saw it, I knew. And that is because they have comic panels that intersperse with the sketches. Uh, there is a comic panel, a drawing, an illustration, if you will, of the cake sitting Yeti uh, looking like an absolute fucking freak uh, because he is one. And I love him for that. <laughs> Uh, it is an amazing illustration. It is amazing. 
even has like like an hourglass figure weirdly yeah enough. them like, hips though <laughs> baby <pretty> <laughs> i the yeti so many of these villains yeti included are the kinds of villains that like if i ever somehow ended up writing a spider-man comic these would be the first two pages villains that are like annoying for miles to have to deal with or Peter to have to deal with or whatever. Like that would be my dream is to incorporate any of these kinds of villains as just those weird throwaways, because then you get to have someone like the Yeti where it's like, you're not even a bad guy. I just need you to stop sitting on people's desserts. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Like, please. Uh, I know you're really, I know you're really into this. You're not alone, but do that with the, with people. Right place, right time. (laughs) consensual activities all right buddy (laughs) and we've got this beautiful reference illustration which is actually mildly horrifying so i would like to see a little bit (laughs) a little bit yeah yeah like nothing can top what you pulled that yeti is like a plus 100 but amazing the stuff you grabbed is amazing and things that i screen grabbed for my own personal use so i'm glad that you included them oh yeah i i they're definitely they're okay one thing i will say about this show one like I have said nothing else about it before now. What one main <laughs> thing that I want to say on this show before we end? If you want a source of Spider-Man reaction, how has this images, show not been memed to hell? It is. This is it, this. It is like a true a true smorgasbord of amazing Spider-Man reaction. I made a whole list of notes for images that I want to pull and start using because it is just yeah. so good. Because it is literally Spider-Man. Spider-Man staring at you, the audience with a thought bubble that says something or a speech bubble that says something, you know? And like a lot of times those things are like really just like funny, funny, like quips or like him just saying something weird or like 70s slang or whatever. Um, And it's just like really good. So I, I pulled two, two, my two favorite (laughs) ones. Um, One is me when I see a hot guy and it's just Spider-Man thinking, what a meatball. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) My favorite. The other one. Yeah, exactly. The other one, if your spider sense is ever sensing queer baiting, <laughs> you could use this image of Spider-Man's thinking fake fruit. <laughs> that was, I I almost threw this in there and I just couldn't. I'm so glad you thought of like a, a fantastic situation for it because yeah. I needed it yeah. and I hadn't figured out where to use it yet. So bravo. <laughs> I, I I thought about that and was like I could just tweet that, but I think I need to give that to the podcast as a gift. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, show rules. that's my sacrifice for the day. <laughs> so good, so good. Oh my god, oh, I I'm so glad that we did this. This was such so much fun. It's good for so the soul. Fun. I hope that people want to watch these uh, and do when they need like a pick me up because I think they're worth it. Yeah. This was my birthday watch. Hell yeah. So, and I am uh, not mad about it. No birthday bandit stole my birthday. Hell yeah. Because I got <laughs> this gift, which is the electric company, Spidey <laughs> Super Stories. <laughs> well, if you want to get more from us, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. We have some fun bonus material there. Um, one of the, the I think, main things that we've been doing lately is actually talking about the My Adventures of Superman cartoon that we've been really enjoying. Yeah. So um, as of this recording, there are a couple of, of episodes that we've done that are about the first six. Um, I, we were going to cover, cover the rest of the show now. We'll see 
when that drops <laughs> compared to uh, when we're recording this, but definitely check out the Patreon and then eventually have the full cover, our full coverage of that entire first season of that show. Cause yeah. we're loving it um, among many, many, many other things on that Patreon. Yeah. But if you also, if you also want to chat with us and other listeners, you can check out our discord. The link to that is in our show notes, but otherwise if people want to find you and everything you're working on, Doug, where's the best place to find you? You can find me pretty much everywhere at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on a podcast called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast, and I believe we just recorded an episode or two Ooh. after a Ooh. very long period of zero movement. My bad. My goodness. <laughs> uh, my goodness. And you can also listen to me on Novel Gaming, uh, a podcast I do with my friend Katie where we catch up on all the books, video games, and sometimes other media we've been consuming lately what about you derek sure you can find me on twitter at derek b gale you can find me other places under that name or under dare bear or mr dare bear you can also find my podcast gimmicks which looks at the high concept experimental structure breaking gimmicky episodes of tv that i do with my co-host david uh with a different show for every episode course find that anywhere you get your podcasts you can also follow me on twitch under mr dare bear where i stream vhs recordings of airings of tv shows with the original commercials from as early as the early 90s up through the mid 2000s so definitely follow me there i usually stream uh, sometimes on thursday and sunday nights just kind of depends um, if you want to find more from Doug and I together, we have a monthly podcast or it was like we keep saying monthly podcast. It's not monthly anymore. It was because <laughs> we're done because we've basically we caught up with it right. because it was falling with style an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watched every Pixar film chronologically up through the most recent film Elemental. And of course, you know when more Pixar movies come out, we'll have more episodes. So give that feed a follow. If you haven't already, that is a following with style feed uh, that exists independently of walloping web snappers. Um, and you'll, you know, have access to all of our old episodes and be able to see when, a, when our episode on another Pixar movie has come out, whenever that next Pixar movie comes out, I truly have no idea when that I is. I do. It's so. a long time from now. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll do, we something, do in something in between. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause that'll be a while. Uh, but yeah, yeah. You can also find an archive of following with style on our website, wallopingwebsnappers.com. That also, of course, has an archive of all of our episodes of Walloping Web Snappers, too. So uh, check out that or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod. You can also email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Would love to hear from people who grew up with the electric Please. company or are electric company aficionados and stuff. Um, if you want to come on the podcast at some point in the future, it might be maybe potentially a little while before that would happen but if you want to and talk about the spidey super stories hit us up um, and we might be able to make that happen so i want to be so yeah. into this show so i would love yeah. like a, an electric company mentor <laughs> sure sure yeah absolutely of course, please rate, review, and subscribe on all your podcast platforms. I'll let you do that. And as we sort of hinted at um, very obviously early on, <laughs> we're continuing our journey of live action Spider-Man in the 1970s. As next week, we're going to be watching the pilot movie for the 1977 live action series, The Amazing Spider-Man. Awesome. See you then. Bye. Nobody knows who you are. <laughs> that was a 
weird one. Yeah, that was bad. I didn't. I did not like that at all. 